happy end of summer, early fall, and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Yay! Yay, indeed. What's up, Dan? Well, if you can hear in the background, it is raining extremely heavily at the moment, which it was boiling hot literally two hours ago. So England has decided, or the Britain has decided to go into September now and to go into autumn and just rain forever. Well... I mean, I mean, at least you won't be boiling alive anymore. Yeah, this is true. I mean, you guys had you... crazy temperatures this year. You you had like twenty three degrees Celsius even. It was crazy over there. It was horrendous because <laughs> you almost hit changed. like eighty degrees Fahrenheit. It was how terrible. It was days where it was nearly thirty degrees Celsius in just my my in in down south um, of of the country. It was like thirty two, thirty three. Um, one day was 40. Oh my, that is actually hot. That is actually very hot. And I was just like, I was like, this global warming, this country has proven that global warming exists. And it's never been this hot. <laughs> well, think about it this way. In a couple of generations, you guys won't be like all like pasty. You'll, uh, you'll have natural yep. tans from all the excessive heat. Yep, and my family would have uh, migrated to the, the um, Antarctica to survive. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, that's Dan, I'm Georgie, and today we're going to be covering three excellent books. Uh, well, I mean, three series that we love. We'll, we'll, we'll get into whether these are excellent books or not. But uh, we've got Excalibur number 19, uh, Exiles number 20, I believe, and Generation X yep. number 8. Number 8. So, um, which one do you want to cover first, Dan? Maybe Excalibur? Yeah, well, yeah, screw it. Let's go to Excalibur first. Yeah. Alrighty, so we've got Excalibur. No, just, that, that was... What was that? Was that? Is yeah. there like a, a, a Thomas just... the Tank Engine coming in, or what's going on over there? It was my, it was my, it was my thinking um, uh, noise for picking up the book and flicking to the right page. Oh, okay. Um, Are you like half robot now? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm half. I'm only just conscience, so um, I feel I feel I feel semi awake. I have this, never this is the... the way you put that. Oh? It's, it sounded like you're only just conscience, like like you're just like you're you're just disembodied thoughts that have coalesced into yeah. a being. And I've never met you in person, so for all I know, I'm just talking to some some like spirit on the other end of the line here. To be fair. Could be the tr- the case today. Right. The case. <laughs> well, this will be fun then. Um, so, uh, Excalibur number 19, once more into the cross-time caper that seems like it ends of this issue, but actually doesn't. It's weird. Uh, on the cover, we've got uh, the X-Men, for some reason, in the background, uh, charging at uh, Jamie Braddock, who has defeated our Excaliburs uh, on the floor. Um, and it's all over a black background. What do you think of this cover? Um, misshapen comes to mind. Oh, uh, when you look at the uh, the X Men in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quite ill defined. Like, mm. um, I'm quite surprised. It's very stylized, and then it. Everyone sort of. I feel like it's. It, I don't know. It just seems a little rushed, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, this. I don't know exactly who did the cover. Um, but Leonardo. 
Oh, is it all Leonardo? Oh, yeah, pencils is all Leonardi. Um, but uh, there's a, a, a few different inkers throughout the book, so it's a little yeah. bit hit or miss depending on what page we're looking at. Um, all I'm saying is I'm, I'm missing Alan Davis, so uh, it's, it's a little sad. However, I do like the foreground. Jamie Braddock looks sufficiently evil and disturbed. And uh, it's kind of if, if I could take out the like top right corner, I'm not I'm not too disappointed with the cover. I see what you're saying. I'm just kind of like it. It exists. Sure, <laughs> it does. And when we get into the X Men part of it, we'll be like, oh, I don't know what happened to this artwork. But uh, jumping in, we start off with uh, Jamie Braddock just sort of in the throes of winning. And I love this first page, like this, like evil, disturbed grin on his face here, uh, while he's he's holding Widget. Yeah, it's the most defined page of the entire book, I think. Um, I like the sleeping Lockheed as well, or unconscious Lockheed. Oh yeah, I, I want to say like this first battle is probably the the standout. I don't know, three four pages. But uh, before we get into that, let's let's talk about the creatives. We've got writer Chris Claremont, penciler Rick Leonardi, inkers Austin and Milgram. Um, Orzachowski and Joyce doing letters, and Brad Van Cotta on colors here. Um, and I do like how he colors this fight. There's a lot of like yellow glow coming uh, from I don't know some some lanterns or something. But uh, as Jamie Braddock is sort of gloating, in comes our Captain Britain and just like slams him through a wall. And I love this panel on the second page, the bottom panel of Cap like standing over him. Like all imposing, ready to, to clobber him. It's it's maybe the standout uh, panel of the of the, uh, the book for me. It does look nice. I've just noticed that the the, the colorist loves the color yellow. Oh yes, um, yes, a lot of yellow in this book. But no, that is probably the nicest panel because I must admit that the art for me degrades as it, as we progress. Yes, unfortunately, but here it's it's lovely. I I really felt uh, the the pathos here is brother v brother and all the the wonderful like faux British. <laughs> I don't not not idioms, but just like dialogue happening here. Calls him like elder brother, and <laughs> I I don't know how how much you got in depth with the words here, but it was like lovely Claremont trying to be British. It uh, it yeah. was fun. We, we still use older brother, um, but we'll let him have elder. <laughs> so Cap basically just like pummels him to death until. Uh, James like, yeah, but um, unfortunately, I still see the strings and everything and just flicks uh, Cap through some walls and unravels his sanity, to be honest. Uh, did you did, what, what did you think of, of the whole fight here? Was this, this was this interesting at all? It started, it started off all right. It's nice. It was fun to see uh, Brian do something. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, wait, this guy's way too powerful. Mm hmm. Um, story-wise, so it was just like done and dusted in seconds. Yes, um, yes. And I think Claremont kind of loves James Braddock way more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he overestimates readers' affinity with it and readers' like sort of patience with Jamie Braddock and his godlike power. But because um, I think he's overused as a tool. Um, and it's just, it. It feels too throughout the book. It feels too much like um, like he doesn't know who Excalibur should be fighting, so they just end up fighting themselves again. Yeah, but 
I, I do. You know, I have not read like the Captain Britain solo series, but uh, even without that sort of backstory, the uh, younger brother fighting the older brother story hit 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 well enough for me that I could appreciate uh, this fight scene happening. It's fair. It is fair. Uh, Kitty witnesses this, and she's like, "Oh no, I gotta help." And Jamie goes to attack her, and she jumps through a portal that Widget has created. Um, so that happened. Uh, then we, we skip to uh, the train where Nightcrawler's got his wonderful overalls on and is, like, working to repair a train. <laughs> so, He's not, like, multi-talented enough to repair a train. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to Leonardi to, like, embrace Nightcrawler's, like, expansive wardrobe. <laughs> But yeah, he's not only like he was the X Men's doctor for a while, and now he's just like a mechanic. He's like a jack of all trades, uh, kind of because Claremont doesn't know what to do with him. Yeah, and I do love the fact that he just like kisses, kisses and they become smitten with him immediately. These anime girls. Um. Yeah, we have those anime cop girls from before show up. They some mobs chasing them. They hide uh, the girls. They freak out when they see Nightcrawler, and then he just kisses them into, like, submission. It's it's kind of... It's so weird and creepy. Yeah, it's super creepy, but kind of Nightcrawler-ish. I feel like he would... Like, the the kissing is where I don't feel like it's, it's quite in character with him. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just 2019 me looking back 30 years ago on, on something that would have seemed normal. Would, <laughs> am I odd here? Am I the odd one out? I don't, I don't even think he would have seemed normal then. To be honest, um, <laughs> it's a bit weird. But it gets weirder still. To be fair, it does because then we see that um, you know actually this is not a bad couple of panels here as well of Phoenix uh, sort of trying to regain consciousness and her powers. I don't know if she's in the train here or where she is, but uh, she realizes that her and Megan have some psychic rapport. Because that's something that Claremont can never let go. <laughs> and, uh, like, they're connected. So, because they're connected, Meg- uh, Phoenix can kind of manipulate Megan and give her X-Men powers. Be- I don't understand how this works in any way, shape, or form. But that is. Yeah, it just happens. And then we get what uh, uh, Jason dubbed uh, Megarine, which is Megan and Wolverine combined. It's kind of, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but it's it's freaky, and we can move past that to Kitty, who's suddenly waking up in a in, a, in someone's bedroom, and she falls through the floor into the kitchen, and uh, some maid is just like making her breakfast, and we realize that this is the Braddock's uh, ancestral home, for some reason Widget yep. teleported her into. Sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> As you do. I mean, this will be important. Like, Widget has really helped out here, but we'll find out how later. Uh, back in Madripoor, where um, Megarine is uh, hunting down uh, Jamie, and she's on a building, and she needs to jump off the building, so then she changes into long shot for the acrobatics, and she's almost, like, eaten by a, a car with a mouth. But then we find out that that was Captain Britain, who doesn't recognize who Meg is, and they start fighting each other and the whole time she's just worried that she's going to beat up Captain Britain and I find that for being Mr. Muscle Man 
he's all like I I don't know an issue where he actually comes up on top of a fight so far. He's always getting beaten up. Very much feels like he's just being smashed around. He's like a punchline. He kind of is a punchline in like who he is, but yeah. you would think, Mister Mister Super Powered, I don't know, mystical hero with the with all of the I don't know the um, the magical strength of of England behind him can't can't do nothing. This dude. Maybe it's uh, how Claremont feels about my country. <laughs> uh, then we come back to Kitty, who's like reading all of the newspapers for some reason. I don't know. How many newspapers do you guys have? Like a morning newspapers in, in uh, England? How many are there? Quite, quite a few. Um, but, um, at least 10. Okay. Well, she's got them all there. Uh, yep, she is well read. Yep. Just reading. She's like, oh, it's the Braddock House. I'm going to get some clothes. And she comments that um, the clothes that she's given are, are, are clothes from, from Jamie's old girlfriends. And she's like, ah, oh, these women that wear are the tightest of clothes. But let, 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 I want to pull back on this for a minute because Kitty's still like, what, 16 in this issue or whatever? So yeah. she, and she's often portrayed as like not being voluptuous. Like she's still, I don't know, growing into her body kind of a, a thing. So... If the clothes that she's wearing now are still too tight, does that mean Jamie Braddock is dating, like, 12-year-old girls? I don't know. All I know is Claremont, yet again, gets her to change, to change clothes. Yeah, and tries to sexualize her as much as possible. Um, but uh, she realizes that up on the, in the attic, someone's up there, and she's not allowed to see them, so she's going to go check that out. And this is really where the artwork takes a turn. Um, because... We had, like, some fun action, then we had some passable scenes, and now we get, like, all kind of janky shapes and body dysmorphia happening. Especially when we get to um, Megan, who's now sort of, like, dazzling it up, and with weird hand formations and faces, like, pudgy on one side and straight on the other. I mean, I, I, I kind of want to blame the different inkers. Uh, I'm wondering if the second uh, inker... Uh, Austin jumped in uh, from basically halfway through, but this is this was a this is rough, Dan. It's really rough, and it instantly took took me out of the. It's just, some of it's just terrible. Like the the there's a panel where she, she transforms into havoc. There's a panel where she is havoc, and it's just like a swirly thing, and it, I don't know. It just looks like her his body's getting sucked into his energy rather than. Uh, it's just not pleasant. No, not at all. <laughs> I do like... It's kind of fun that, that Jamie's like, oh, Dazzler, he finds ways to like work around everyone's powers. So yeah. Dazzler's shooting him. He's like, oh, well, you need light, or sound and light, so I'll take away that so you can't actually use your powers. And she's fine off Havoc. He's like, well, Havoc needs cosmic like energy, so I'll just take away the stars, and now he has no energy left. And you're like, okay. This guy's thinking. I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we find that the real Jamie Braddock has been in the attic playing with his, I don't know, Excalibur action figures? Yep. Um, and that's how he's able to manipulate everything, and Kitty's found him. And, of course, this uh, Jamie Braddock is in his, like, high, high-waisted, high-hipped tidy-whities, uh, yes. which are always oh. disturbing. 
I am. Yep. There's, there's, there's fighting and hitting and, and more ugliness on the page until suddenly Jamie is kissing Megan, who's also Phoenix. It's really kind of yep. creepy. I, I like we started with Nightcrawler like kissing two women who didn't want to be kissed, and we end with Jamie kissing two women who didn't want to be kissed. Yep. And he just randomly fades away. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yep. Yeah, so then they they hit him with the train because nothing else is working. Uh. Sure. Um. And he survives, and he's like, "You can't. You'll never be able to defeat me." And then Kitty and Addict's like, "Hey, young man." Stop misbehaving and go to bed. It's past your bedtime. He's like, okay. And he goes to sleep. And that's that's how they beat him. And I like the sort of ingenious way of, of ending the fight. But is this really how he is? Like, is he this easily manipulable? Or is this like, all right, I need to end this somehow. Let's just end it. I feel like it's a we need to end it somehow. Let's just end it. I've gone too far. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and after Kitty saves the day, she passes out. But uh oh, someone's watching her. Who is it, Dan? Um, I always forget her name. The uh, Courtney. Is it Courtney? No, it's not Courtney. I feel like it's Courtney. It's not Courtney. It's someone. That's right. The Excalibur experts can't remember the name of a single character who is very important in the upcoming issues. So. Definitely take our opinions uh, with uh, a grain of salt here because we have no idea what we're doing. Well, because there's so much, there's so much yellow. <laughs> I, just assumed, I, assumed, I assumed it was Courtney. It is. It is. Um, it is. And I was just like, but there's so much yellow, that, and you confused. You made me question myself. I was like, it's Courtney. And then, I'm, then you're like, mm-hmm. your silence was like judgmental. So I was like, is it Courtney? Have I got it wrong? <laughs> too much yellow is it an old kitty pride i don't know anymore maybe she'll get told to go to bed and fade away so uh-huh. end of this issue kitty's like oh i found a way to transport everyone back and i looked at the next cover and there's nothing about cross time caper on it so i was like oh i guess it we're just kind of over but then i look at further covers and there's still cross time caper happening so i guess we just have like a reprieve next issue yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, Dan. As a whole, what did you think of this issue? I think it's just... I'm going to be. Oh, do you know what? Screw it. It just felt like um, a mess. Mm-hmm. Like generally, like there's ideas there that kind of work, like the conceptually. But I feel like Claremont's in love with this with Jamie Braddock and his like sort of love of like proving that this character is going to be a great villain, like overstays its welcome and just over just makes the whole thing rotten the whole merging rachel and megan feels really just arbitrary um and just it's sort of been brewing for a while but there's no reason and it was just a reason he just put it in so that they crash at least three times every other issue now because they're linked and rachel's fucking up the whatever and it just i don't know it just and then going through the, the the art just makes it even almost illegible. Like you can't read it basically near the end. It just it's it just too it's visually such a mess by the end of it that you kind of switched off. And then there's like this idea that maybe they're home, but then they're not home. And I don't know. Just the the cross time cape was definitely an up and down, a showcase of what Excalibur can and cannot be. 
Um, <laughs> and and this is one of the cannots um, for sure for me. Yeah, I I, I mostly agree. Um, I will push back a little bit in that the previous issue was way worse in terms of not just artwork but storytelling. Uh, so I felt like this was at least a step up, especially the first half of the book. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you want to flip back and take a look at the artwork that happened in the previous issue, it's... Uh, uh, garbage. Yes. Um, I think we even said that much, to be fair. Right. <laughs> um... Right. So I was like, oh, like, I started reading this, and I'm like, okay, this is not so bad. And I got to the end, I'm like, well, I, I guess it really petered out, and I'm not really sure where we're going next. But... Uh... There's a part of me that... Part of me now, reading it now, going, maybe I prefer Alan Davis as writer? I like Alan Davis. Because it's because the thing is, it starts strong and uh, it's always it started strong, but these feel like a lot of filler. Like Clermont must be doing everything at the same time, like a million other books at the same time, and yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah I mean, definitely. I think you know we started off when it was Davis and uh, Oliver and uh, Claremont on creatives, and it was like, okay, this is really wonderful. All three of them working together. And as the art has gone away and, and Claremont has taken more of the reins, um, it's sort of fallen further and further out of what we, we enjoyed, uh, unfortunately. Fine. And next uh, issue, we have another um, guest uh, penciler, and it looks like a guest writer as well as Michael Higgins is, is going to be writing the next issue. Wow. So... Someone is allowed to... Uh have fun with, with the team without Claremont's approval. <laughs> well, I think in a couple issues we're going to hit um, Alan Davis coming back, yeah? Yeah. And we need him. Um, but yeah, it was... <laughs> I mean, we need him and Oliver together to just draw this forever. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. It wasn't the best. Um, we've seen worse, uh, unfortunately, Excalibur issues, and we may even see worse ones moving forward. But uh, compared to last month, I was kind of happier with this issue. That's fair. All right. Well, maybe next time will be better, but let's uh, move on over to something a little bit more straightforward, Dan. Yes, Exiles number 20. Um, the creative team of Jude Winnick, Jim Calafiore, uh, Philip John Holdridge, and colorist is Transparency Digital. And uh, it's the start of my new collection, because last time it finished the collection, so number 20 is the start of collection, ultimate collection number two. Cool. Um, I get a giant recap page, and uh, the, the old, the, the sort of like turn of the millennium character things, but it's like blink, and then it gives her name, and then gives her power and all that jazz like a little caption so you recommend um, the the collections then yeah i like them i think they're you know they this collection it collects 20 to 37 and x-men unlimited 41 because that has a blink story in it right um and it's a nice way to like get everything you need um and not having to like have a hundred trade paperbacks and just have six instead and have the entire hundred hundred page run <laughs> A hundred page, hundred issue run. Right. But yes, number twenty uh, has a front cover which is a um, snarling Sasquatch um, with a lot of digital coloring. I don't mind the front cover; it means nothing to me. It's just uh, someone's face, but um, I, it's not offensive. It's just 
angry Sasquatch. Yeah, so. I was. It feels it's kind of dated, and it's it's digital this. Yes. So I was like, all right, you know, it's 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 fine, I guess. Uh, I imagine at the time this was like mind blowing, but then inside I'm like, I don't know if she even says two lines. I was expecting some Sasquatch stuff to happen, and there's barely any issue. Exactly. She, why, why have her an issue? What? Why be? Why be logical? Um, anyway, she's been on the team for what, like ten issues now, and I'm not sure she's done anything. She just, she just says words sometimes. I think she says words. But anyway, <laughs> this is legacy, legacy part one, and we start in the graveyard um, with Colossus looking at his sister. And if you didn't guess. Uh, we're mining the legacy virus um, AIDS allegory that the X-Men comics did um, as, a, as a basis of a story. And in this world, um, the legacy virus was so um, bad that it passed to humans and it just millions died. And then one fateful day, uh, young Doug Ramsey was infected and his best friend, uh, Warlock, or you could say boyfriend, but well, you know, We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, decided that he would cure Doug by merging their life forces. However, that had a really unexpected side effect of making everything a million times worse. Right. So um, let's so, let's pause there for a second. Yes. Um, I remember when Ilyana died in Uncanny, uh, whatever that was. It was sort of a big issue for me at the time. Uh, was that big for you? Like it, it was sort of a marquee issue. Do you do you have any memories of that? I, not really massive memories of that at all, to be honest. Because like I always was just like meh, Ileana. Um, like I feel like she'd already died once before that issue, but she had the, been de-aged uh, at that point. I I do remember the legacy virus being quite sort of everywhere. At one point, right, and then just vanishing into into nowhere. Right. <laughs> well, it's very uh, Rasputin centric because when she died, that's when Colossus left the X Men and went to be with Magneto for a while. Um, so it's appropriate to have Colossus here, and and wasn't it Colossus who gave his life so that they could have uh, a cure for the Legacy Virus as well? I believe so. So it's it's appropriate. What do you think of sort of switching from the the, the dire uh, sadness of, of of the topic? What do you think of the artwork, the first couple of pages here? I really love the Colossus in front of all those graves. Uh-huh. Um, that's a really strong panel. And I think that, although not always well-defined, I think they re- really captures like the, the sort of desperation of it all. And I, I, I really like the page where Doug is being a Simulated, I suppose is the right term. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Um, and I feel like um, there's just like the right amount of the, the right tone of coloring as well. Like there's like the the the, dig, the muted digital colors actually work in in the like the favor and and Calafiore really just like sort of do really well with. I think he can, he, he does horror well. Yes. Like, quite horrific. He, he he just draw a mean war. And he draws a lot of mean warlocks. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, for me, got, reading this, I was like, got, "Wow, this artwork is is lovely." Um, I was really happy with this. Yeah, because he becomes obviously Douglock or something to that extent, right? And um, 
it's the virus just takes on a whole new meaning and it assimilates people turning them to zombies and turning superpowered people into evil versions of themselves and i love the panel of just this creature as uh, assimilating um a jubilee and some random dude um but but basically we move forward to the present day um las vegas and there's some kids playing out in the uh wasteland um and they encounter some of these um they're called v-locks um that's basically what they the the the, the population of this planet has called them and you know that's the typical sort of warlock speak but broken down um which i i actually appreciated like sort of the half broken language that they have um and so they get these kids and our faithful faithful like, heroes uh, appear and save the children and sasquatch does something by smashing one into the ground um then they manage to sort of save the kids and they scare off the bad guys but then there's a massive horde of bad guys and blinks knocked out even though her eyes are open um <laughs> so I, don't know how, I don't know how consciousness works um and crazily morph turns into a giant flying dragon and everyone saves the children i love that um, I, I love the idea of him turning to a giant like chinese style dragon to dragon. yeah it's just i was just like wow okay yeah. um and then they go to they go to the nearest big city um because they have the words disruptors no one's in no one's in las vegas and they're being watched by someone who's clearly spider-man of some description the kids are webbed away they're electrocuted they fall into like a pit there's a lot of dialogue that's obviously not them but in like uh, back and forth dialogue um between two characters and then it's discovered then it's revealed not discovered that uh hank pym is alive and it's actually um spider woman who is there and the talus finally kicks in and starts sort of hearing things and they have a I love that they've shorthanded it now, where it's like a reality hopping conversation later. So they've just shorthanded the whole life. <laughs> um, and we've so, got some like nice. I actually quite like the nice panels. Everyone looks quite um, well. The color, the color works. It's getting better, much better. Than it really started. is. It really is. I, I think you know, jumping back a little bit, the panels of the, uh, I guess, phalanx style zombies. Um, uh, the fight scenes, uh, you know, everything except for the kids, I think were, looks really great here. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, of course, we have our, you know, Morph is always looking good. Sasquatch looks pretty good. Blink is always on point. Uh, Mimic is here or there. Nocturne is kind of here or there. But, um, you know, we have the one member of the team who never gets to say anything and always looks like super ugly. You know who I'm talking yep. about? Yeah, Marika. Yeah. Um, bless, her, bless her soul. I, it's so <laughs> disappointing to see every every issue looks kind of some kind of, not even a caricature, just like a, a her face is like, no, like they've gone like, all right, give her slanty eyes and no details and put it in the background and let's just move on. And I don't know, there's, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six members of this team and they're only interested in like three of them. <laughs> I don't understand why we can't get more out of this. It's crazy because, like, you flip the page and you find out that the mission is to um, uh, 
they have to go and get Doug, Doug Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, and save either save him, destroy him. I can't, it's not really... To be honest, it just says he's alive, and that's why they're here. So it's not really clear what the actual mission is, other than they go. They have to go get Doug Ramsey from the mainframe, which is like the worst place in the world. That's where all the head um, and most powerful v are. And there's some really nice panel of Nocturne, because um, obviously she's growing her hair back slightly from having it shaved uh, completely off. Right. And I love the Captain America. You're right, though, because like, there's Captain America more who looks fantastic, and behind there's just ugly America. Yeah, every time. Uh, every time. And basically, it's a really quick issue, because uh, it ends with, like, so who, who's on the bad guy's side, and uh, Hank's like pretty much everyone. And there's a splash, a single splash page of all these phalanxed up heroes from Hulk, Wasp, Iron Man, Doctor Strange. I think there's a Green Lantern, uh, if you look at his chest. Um, <laughs> but everyone's there, Black Panther, um, Angel. Nightcrawler, Angel. even like some villains like Doctor Doom, who, who's, yeah. I mean, he's kind of a villain. We've got uh, Black Bolt, Green, um, Green Goblin, so it's just, just everybody. Yeah, it's an okay pick. I wouldn't say it's... some of them look great. Like the Nightcrawler looks fantastic. Sure. Um, the whole... like the ones in the foreground look way better than the ones as you move forward backwards because some of them are just completely like ill-defined. There's literally it feels like there's two Doctor Strangers, but I think there's one of them with Fisto. It's really I don't know, but it's not a bad page. And all in all, the art's really good, like really solid work. And but it feels very much like. Um, the usual exile setup issue. Yes. Where it's enjoyable, but it's clearly like this isn't. This is just to get the the, the groundwork out of the way. Uh, we'll start properly in the next issue. For sure. Uh, which Winnick kind of that's kind of his his thing with this series when it does multiple parts. It's like this is our groundwork. We'll try and tell the story later. <laughs> yeah, groundwork. <laughs> next issue will be a bunch of action, and the third issue will be like. Bad stuff happens, and then there's a Deus Ex Machina, and we'll be we'll be done with the the problem. Yep, pretty much. That's literally how he writes. <laughs> um, he's off, he's off. He he leaves the book very soon. Oh, uh, for a little bit. So I think after this um, this story arc. So I don't dislike when it, when like this issue. I don't feel is written poorly. Um, no, no. It's it's just. You know, we, we harp on some of the characters not being uh, fleshed out because they've been on the team for so long and he's just not, his focus isn't on him, which is a detriment to his writing style. But but on the whole, I feel like he knows how to craft a story. He's, the characters he wants to write about, he's able to get us interested in. Um, it's, it's, it's just that uh, the other characters just fall by the wayside, uh, unfortunately. But I, I, I really enjoyed this issue, uh, Dan. It's very straightforward, but uh, the artwork was, was quite lovely. Um, I mean, the zombie came, and I was like, all right, zombies. I don't know if I, I care about that so much. But the character interaction was nice. I think at the time, if you, if you put this in its temple um, sort of spacing, the zombie thing probably wouldn't have been a, would have been interesting. Sure, sure. Because um, you'd been like, oh, because like, zombies weren't like, they started to get massive again, like blame Shaun of the Dead and the remake of um, Dawn of the Dead, maybe. But um, at the time, I think I remember going, well, that's an interesting idea. It's a phalanx component. 
because they're just the Borg mm-hmm. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting like to have it as like a world that's been taken over completely. Um, but I, I I think it's a really simple, straightforward, and it has consequences and it has stakes. It does. It definitely set out. The last page definitely sets out the stakes for our characters that they're going to face some of the most powerful characters of the Marvel universe. So I'm quite I'm quite looking forward to the battle ahead. Sure. It'll be fun to see what Winnick uh, does moving forward. Um, what was the previous issue for Exiles? At the end of the Moth uh, Mojo storyline. Oh, right. Well, this is definitely a step up from that. Yep. <laughs> this is this is actually kind of my favorite of the three we're reading this week. Not by much, but... No, I can see that. I would say, um, while I... I Nothing is like top marks on this issue. It's consistently good. Uh, if like we're ranking this by category, that this is consistently well done. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, the little pieces of Morph being able to 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 use his humor in here as well. Um, and the action was was fairly well done. I just I don't know. Do these these other characters ever get fleshed out, Dan? Are they just gonna die one day and then get replaced by other people who we're not gonna have to learn who they are? So this storyline kind of fleshes out. No, no, no. Tangentially fleshes out Marika, I believe. And I feel like Heather gets fleshed out a little while later. We have to wait. (laughs) She has to be on the team for twenty issues before we start learning about her. Yeah, of course. Because I'll be honest with you, I remember. Um, when Clement took over, and I was like, as if he's done that to Heather, she's my favorite character. But right now, I'm like, why was she ever one of my favorite characters in this book? <laughs> he is not a character. She's just a visual presence. She's like Storm in the X Men movie. She's just there oh, in the background. Oh boy. But anyway, let's not talk about them. Uh, you know, I saw that that last movie is like out on DVD now, Blu Ray. So their clips are hitting YouTube, and I saw some clips of the action. Oh my goodness. I've seen it. Oh, we you talk about you poor man. Why did you see this? Later? In a, I saw it like two days ago. Oh no, you didn't say this. I haven't. I, I would have said it on Twitter, but I was. I literally watched it, and I <laughs> kid you not. Once it ended, usually I'd tweet something about a film, as you well know. Right. Once it ended, I went and made it like I went and made a drink, and then sat down, and just put God of War on and forgot I ever watched it. <laughs> like genuinely forgot that I watched it until the until. Uh, Ian got back from um, university and said, uh, "What have you done today?" And I was like, "I've done this, this." And I went, "Oh yeah!" And I watched, <laughs> I watched Tarantino, <laughs> but it's super bad. Yeah, it's I'm... pretty telling. Just... Where, where you're like, "Yeah, I need to erase this from my memory right away." It's to be honest, it's not bad. It's just bland. It's so weird. We won't get into it because there's a lot to talk about. Like to unpack from it, does that make sense? Yeah, I just I just saw some of the action scenes and I thought, well, Brian Singer has not evolved in his action storytelling since what nineteen ninety nine or whatever. Singer. It's not Brian Singer. He doesn't direct it at all. Or yeah, he did. He no, he did. He directed parts of it. Okay, well, because remember, he, remember, he was fired. Yeah, I remember him like leaving or being kicked off. But in my head, it was like. They were already in post-production when that was announced, so... <laughs> there was a lot of reshoots. There were a lot of reshoots, and it was... Um, and if you watch it, you can see where... Basically, Simon Kinderberg, is it? The guy who's been writing it since X-Men Last Stand, mm-hmm. um, is 
And um, I don't often agree with like honest trainers, but they mentioned that it was two hundred million for someone's student film. And uh, yeah, they're they're right. Um, it's directed like a student film. All right. Well, at least and... we'd never have to uh, talk about that again until we review it for the podcast. Hooray! Um, but overall, then you like this one? Yep, this one's this one's good. It's good. This one, as in Exiles, uh, number uh, nineteen. Yep. Twenty or twenty? Yes, good issue. I enjoyed <laughs> it too. I was quite happy. Not the Mojo one. The Mojo nope. one was not. No, nope. no, nope. no more Mojo. We don't have Mojo. Done. All right, let's move on. Uh, Generation X, number eight. Um, who is the creatives? Oh yes, we had the impossible to read creatives page on here. I have no idea. Uh, who who worked on this other than Lobdell because they've like thrown all the names together in one giant thing. So uh, I don't know who the creatives are on this. I have no idea. Well, Buck- Buckingham's the um, it's Cru- Lobdell. Cruz is the artist. Buckingham's the um, the inker, I think. Um, and yeah, it's a mess. Um, all right, cool. Um. um <laughs> it, it, it's 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 the same creative team from the last issue. Okay, well, sure, fine. I mean, they could just say that. But uh, on the cover, we've got what appears to be uh, Bacalo artwork. Um, yeah. And it looks much better than basically anything else inside the book. And we yep. have uh, Sean Cassidy with Emma and some new person, all in sort of um, mid mid uh, Middle Earth. <laughs> garb uh, going through a castle with an ogre behind them and it uh, it's kind of ominous and fun and feels like Bacalo light if that makes sense yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a game no um, there's no toad or animal in in the picture um, but I do, I do I do really like it I think it's quite a fun like sort of fantasy and fairy tale which is kind of what happens yeah I, it's yeah. it was the best artwork uh, out of, and there 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 are moments we'll bring up where he's sorely missed in this in this issue because oh he could God. have really just blown the roof off off this mother. He is instantly missed. Let's be fair. Like I instantly miss him as soon as I turn to this first page, <laughs> which isn't that bad. Which isn't that bad. It's just legs are a problem. Everyone has legs for days. Yeah. I don't think. Um, no offense to uh, Cruz, but like, either he lives in a place where everyone's legs are like a third of the like more than a third of their body or he doesn't understand how how people work i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah people's legs are two-thirds of their body in this for sure and it was the same last issue it, it's yeah. stylized but it's the, i mean in this first page sean's legs are wow look at that i want to say he's like five feet of legs and then like a foot and a half of body Yep. <laughs> there's a, there's a there's a panel later with a unknown woman um, where it's just like she might as well just be a legs and a head, um, <laughs> and obviously her breasts because yes, yeah. they have to be there. They really have to be there. Mm. Yeah, that that panel stuck out. We'll get to it. But starting off, we're looking at where Cassidy Keep should be, and there's just some like uh, like living mist. And right away, I was like, is this? Are we going to start getting some some Vicente stuff happening here? 
Um, remember the uh, the member from the Age of Apocalypse uh, team? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but they also mentioned that there was some sort of living mist they discovered in a Wolverine issue that I haven't read. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what that means. But uh, they're trying to find out what happened to Cassidy Keep. And they're sort of arguing, and the dialogues, you know, the art is what it is. But I, I felt like Lobdell was still basically killing it, uh, dialogue-wise. Yeah, he, he at least is um, bringing his game. Like, he's really invested in making this book happen. Yes. Um, and that's what I want from writers. <laughs> I feel each each character feels unique. They have a nice, uh, like, unique interactions between all of them. It, it's, it's, it's fun to if i close my eyes and just imagine what this should look like this is a really good issue <laughs> but uh sinks like hey this mist it's kind of like alive what's going on and and jonathan's like hey don't touch that and he touches it and then he gets transported to another world um and jonathan's like hell hold on I'll, I'll come with you and skin tries to join but apparently the mist doesn't want him so he does he barely like lands on the other side of this pit um, I want to talk about this panel of of Sink just like going crazy uh, with like mouth open screaming and his his like hands and fingers growing almost. This top left yeah. panel, I don't know what what sort of body dysmorphia is happening here, but it is creepy. I don't get. I thought I was like, is he warping with the mist or is it just? I don't know. It just feels really. And why is there spit in between his tongue and his? No idea. Like it's it's just. You know, last issue... Go, go ahead, Dan. Sorry. At least he doesn't have to draw ears. <laughs> well, last issue, I felt like, even though it was sometimes odd-looking, not always great, it's better than what we're getting this issue. Yeah, there was something definitely off with it. Like this... Yeah. I don't I don't know if, if he didn't have time or... It kind of looked like with the, the, the credits, there might have been two anchors on this as well, but... Uh, this is not this is not nice to look at, um, but with two of our members gone through the portal, Emma Frost is like, "Hey, uh, I can I can sense them over there. We I'll, I'll find a way to get us through." And then this other woman who's working for like the government, who looks just like Emma Frost, was like, uh, "By the way, I can't let you do stuff." And I was confused for a second. Yep, I don't get it either. <laughs> I was just like, oh, "Okay." Uh, Banshee puts uh, the, these government uh, goons to sleep using supersonic uh, plot device, and um, the team jumps into the mist to go save their their the, their other members. And uh, in the background is the guy with the long hair who Sean was dreaming about the previous issue, who had like murdered someone on his his family castle. I I do not like this this one page jump into the smoke scene. It looks ugly and gross sean's legs sean's legs go ahead i don't want to look at it anymore because like (laughs) yeah like you said sean's legs have become like giant meat slabs and penance looks like she's being stretched on a rack and what is happening Mm. what is happening yeah visually he he took all the steroids in, in just his thighs is what happened here um, but then we yep. get to one of these wonderful interludes uh, we had alluded to, and we have um, this uh, gorgeous woman with eight, eight, eight feet of legs, 
on, on top of that, a pair of big boobs, and then on top of that, uh, a gorgeous face. Um, so this is how this this creator <laughs> thinks women should look, I guess. I don't. This was just, like wow. If you saw that in the real world, I'd be like, "There's something wrong." <laughs> you need to see a doctor because something happened. But uh, this is what's her name? Something I want to bring up here. Oh, it's escaping me. But but this is a frost as well, right? This is Cordelia Frost. Yeah, Cordelia. Part of the Frost Clan. I believe so. Does she have any powers or anything we should be aware of, or is she just a plot device, Dan? I feel like she has powers, but I feel like it's... No, that's Andrea Frost. That's later. Oh, is she? I am so confused right now. Mm. There are, like, two Frosty sisters and a brother, isn't there? Right. Well, this Frost but... is, is enjoying her time in uh, on vacation with Mondo, who he, he's got... What should is supposed to be this gorgeous woman jumping into a a, a river, and he's like, "Whatevs, I'm just chilling on the beach." I do like that uh, Labdell talks about Mondo. It says he, he has only two settings: calm and calmer. That was a nice bit of character work in in like one sentence. Um, but as he's chilling out, he realizes that Cordelia's gone missing in the river. He goes to swim to find out what happened, and then. <gasps> Question mark uh, to be continued. What did you think of this unnecessary interlude, Dan? Was it? Did you like this? It's. Uh, I'd rather if all the interludes were just put into one book and it was about Mondo and then he actually joins the team because I don't think he physically ever joins the team. I can't even remember. Right. Anymore. Because um, there's a big hope, like big like push, like look at this other character and he's just not there. So. Um, it just, it just feels like it's, um, I say wasting time, but it just feels like a bit superfluous. Mm, um, for sure. All right. Well, then uh, our heroes arrive in this other dimension. They've all got changes of clothes to some sort of like fantasy garb. Uh, they don't know what's happening uh, until Monet points out, hey, we're out of oxygen, and they all just pass out. Uh, skip, <laughs> skip over to Sink and Jonathan, who are fighting ogres and knights, and... It was these pages where I was like, oh, man, if, if Bacala was here, these would be, like, masterpieces. Like, yeah. the, the artist is given carte blanche to just do whatever he wants. And the colors are, are bright and, and fun and fantastical, but it, it's kind of messy. And, uh, I mean, it, it's the dialogue, the interplay between these two characters is fun. I like having them together, but it's just, like, kind of artistic noise happening around them because i really like um sync's power i i like the fact that it's just a rainbow aura yeah and that he's synced up with a chamber um later in the series though, i'm sure chambers like freaks out that he tries to sync up with him but he seems here he seems okay with it right there's a there's a but i do i i like the dialogue a lot yes I like how they sync up and they're cool with it. And then uh, after they've saved these little elves, try to like take them to their home. And there's a little comedic moment, and they start talking about the difference between Ireland and Scotland. And it's like fun little character stuff. You're like, oh yeah, I I like this book. Why do we have this art team? Yeah, someone was obviously on vacation. <laughs> well, nearby. 
Uh, Sean wakes up. She's ne- he's next to Emma, and they're like ah, arguing about how many times they've been captured. And then we meet uh, this uh, small person who happens to be Eamon O'Donnell, who worked. Eamon. At- Eamon O'Donnell, who worked at the keep or something. I- Do you know their their interactions? Are they family? Are they? Is one like the master like- and one's a slave? It was really like weird. I don't really know. Apart from the series, I don't really remember much about Banshee before that. But maybe he just has a a caretaker. Okay. Oh, it's a caretaker. His slave is bad. So I, I've just had a flashback when the X Men and like Uncanny go to the keep and they're gonna fight uh, Juggernaut and Black Tom. There are like leprechauns all around uh, all around there. Is he like a leprechaun? Maybe because he's Irish. I don't know. Maybe uh, and he's like a foot and a half tall. Maybe I don't know. I don't want to say. Anything. I don't know. I I don't know either. I just felt it like, like a friend to me. I was like he's just his caretaker. Maybe I was just interested to know. Sorry, I, my 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 um knowledge of um Banshee's slaves um. <laughs> Is 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 minor? Yeah, fair. I don't know what 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 this signifies. They're like, hey, please check out Uncanny X Men seven hundred five, one hundred five. Yeah, one of one of five. Um, but I will not be doing that. So uh, we move on to a bunch of red pages and panels, and uh, these three quote unquote heroes break out and they find an ogre, um, and so that happened. Then we skip on to uh, the rest of the young team who now have breathing apparatuses and have met uh, a fairy queen. And once again, I was like, I mean, this is fine, I guess, but Bacalo would have nailed this. And the fairy queen, at least the fairy queen doesn't have massive legs. No, she just has massive tits. Oh. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Um, Let's just carry on. Yep, uh-huh. So she's like, hey, I'll trick these these people into thinking they're my heroes. And they see through this trick. And Monet's in the, in, in the fairy queen says, please fix my magic machine to f- make everything magically good. And Monet so blanks out and goes to fix this machine. And the rest of the our team's like, yeah, we'll help fix it. And um, it's kind of creepy and fun. And I like the dialogue again. And I like this this trick of the fairy painting an ancient scroll and, and being found out. I was like, okay, this is, I, I like what we're doing, what we're going with it, but I don't know, there's so much, it feels like just splashes of just bright colors haphazardly throughout these pages that I'm not really enjoying it the way I should. It's like the colorist has only picked like five colors to work with. Mm-hmm. To That's for sure. That. For sure. Well, as they're fixing this machine, there's a knock on the door, and the fairy queen's like, hey, Skin, can you answer this? And he opens the door, and it's a giant fire-breathing cigar-smoking dragon who's like, who's fucking with my machine? To be continued. So, yeah. I mean, this, like, I, I'm in on the story. I'm in on them being in this fantastical world. It's, it feels very like the the time Cape Crusader we're reading in, in, in Excalibur, in, in a sense. But this artwork is letting me down, man. I think it just—it just feels like um, they didn't uh, like 
Lobdell had a very specific thing to do, like, we'll go do some magical shit. Um, and just establish Gen X as, like, the kooky one. Because at, at, at the time, if you think about it, um, there was the extreme X-Force, and, um, like, Excalibur at the time right, right. wasn't kooky. And so it was like, let's establish, like, have, like, a nice, like, really alternative sort of vision of the X-Men. And he's got these really cool characters, and he's sent them to these really cool places. But he got paired up with, like, he got paired up with Bacalo, which really works. Then Bacalo decided not, either something happened with schedules, and then he has Cruz, and Cruz definitely tries to do Bacalo here. Mm-hmm. With some of the, and it just falls so short. And what really hurts is that color work is just garish. Yes. It's just really, like, if the color work was a little bit more refined... I think it wouldn't look as bad. Yeah, a little more subtle, a little more. Yeah, it's it's. How bright do you want this? Because I'm gonna make it twice as bright as that. Yep, it's like fiddling with the settings on the on the TV and accidentally <laughs> hitting like accidentally hitting like max contrast or something, and mm. everything just looks wrong. But, Someone painted uh, it all day glow and then turned off the lights and was just like. About to burn out and my it, retinas with this thing, and it annoys. It kind of weirds. It annoys me slightly that the book has an artist that loves to cheesecake its his women and men, and the book's tone and story doesn't lend itself to that kind of artistic style. Not at all. It's like putting um, uh, what's his name, Campbell on like East of West. You know what I mean? It just yes. doesn't. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. No, nope. <laughs> that that's how that's how it feels to me. And I, it's nothing against like Cruz's art. Like he's, to be honest, like um, I think as he as he progresses through Marvel comics through the nineties and into like the two thousands, he does some really interesting work with different characters. Um, I think he does some um, X books with the younger um, kids in the two thousands, mm-hmm. and it and it looks like. A million times better than this. Like he's he's completely refined his craft. Right. Uh, he moved away from like long legs and massive massive breasts. Um, and like it's nothing against his work. It's just I don't think the art and the script make uh, like um, aesthetically in the same place. Not at all. Especially when you compare it to previous issues where you know physical sexual aspect of the, these characters has never been the focus. Uh, it's no, always been no. sort of downplayed, and it's been more about the the emotional and like personality interactions between between the crew. Uh, it's these last two issues have been like, well, you missed all the big breasts for for seven issues. I'm gonna make up for it in two. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's he's really hitting that quota. Um, I I like the issue. I like the the story. I think we've, we've harped on that enough, but uh, once again, this artwork is kind of, it's kind of, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. It just feels, as you mentioned, it doesn't match with the tone and the story that we're 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 used to and that Labdell is trying to tell here. Exactly. Well, that was Gen X. That was Gen X number eight, number nine. What was that? Number eight. <laughs> Number eight. Number eight. Uh, 
number nine, it looks like we've got uh, Tom Grummelt on uh, pencils. I have no idea who that is. I do, because I used to read um, Superboy, and I believe he was the main okay. artist on Superboy. His work's very 90s, but I think it might might lend itself better to the to the artwork to the artwork to the story this time around you know you, you say he did superboy and then i sort of instantly understand what that artwork should look like yeah he did he just the he's just the very famous don't call me superboy panel right um so and, is it yeah tom grumman yep yeah and then quickly yeah, paging did. through just to take a, a sneak peek it feels very like dc house style at the time artwork oh, yeah. oh yes yes very much so at the at, at, at the time but um interesting that they, they managed to nab him because um i wonder if the timelines because i have um the, the dc uh released a volume the started to release the volumes of superboy from the 90s uh-huh. um i have the first one and he leaves the book after so many issues uh-huh. and i wonder if the timing like matches up with his t- his work at on Gen X. Hmm. I have to have a I have to have a little nosy. But that'll be interesting to see. Well, that was our three issues this week. <coughs> it was all right. Not I mean we've had worse for sure, like last week. Um, yes. Yeah. I we've had worse. even though uh, the artwork wasn't top notch and all these, I I kind of enjoyed these issues. Uh, even Excalibur had parts that I really was into. And for, right, so I'm I'm with you with two, but I just can't get behind. I couldn't get behind Excalibur. Oh, um, there are parts, not the whole. <laughs> there are parts, oh, no, no, even, even parts. I just, I just read it and just went, Clement, what are you thinking? Like, <laughs> well, that's all I thought when I was reading it. I was like, generally, why? But it'll get better. And then it'll get worse, and then it'll get better again. Yes, and then it'll get cancelled. That's, <laughs> that's how I think it works. Well, that's it for the September issue. And we have to talk about what's coming up in the future, Dan, because I believe next month starts the new X titles, correct? Yes, it does indeed. So we're definitely planning on reading Excalibur. And yep. we had talked about doing New Mutants, which I feel like we might we might do that depending on if we enjoy it or not. Hi. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just sort of spitballing no, here. I, I, I feel like we have to do it because it's got Chamber and Mondo in it. And right. If I make sense. No, I'm I'm like really leaning that way. But if it ends up that this is like horrible and I don't want to talk about it, then maybe we don't talk <laughs> about it. You could because it because did you notice that it's um it's. Hickman and Brisson for the first issue, then it's Hickman, then it's Brisson, then it's Hickman, then it's Brisson, then it's Hickman, then it's Brisson. I had no idea, no. Yeah, that that's look that's what it's looking like it's gonna happen, is that everything set in space with the new mutants is Hickman. And when it's back on Earth with like um Glob and Anoli and stuff, it's all Brisson. Cause it's got Brisson's uh two French Oh no! Uh, in it, so yeah, so it's, it's swapping between. So he's n- it's not just New Mutants as like the classic team. It looks like it's New Mutants, the classic team, in space, uh-huh. and you, and the New Mutants that are around Krakoa. 
so maybe we read every other issue? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I just want to see uh, Mondo and uh, Chamber. Sure. That's all I want to see. I do too, especially since he's back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, everyone. Well, I want Think to be back from the dead. I've decided. This is a perfect opportunity for Hickman to bring all of Generation X back from the dead. Yes. Spoilers. Skin, sink, bring them back. They, they didn't deserve the death they got. Not at Neither all. Not at all. But, yeah, well, well, I think it's very likely we read that book as well. So, uh, next ish, next episode is likely to be near the end of the month. Uh, just I don't know what the re- release dates are for New Mutants or Excalibur, so we got to wait for those to come out. And, uh, and it'll be a bumper, it'll be a bumper, um, bumper ride. Though I think we've both discussed that maybe spreading it over two issue, two episodes, might be a better idea. Like maybe like do the norm, like I was, I was thinking, do the normal and then do the the other two, do the other two, or maybe save the other two as a bi monthly, and do like four at once. Oh yeah, maybe. I, I really, I think I really want to talk about that new Excalibur issue though. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we'll cover the first ones in that bumper issue, and then we'll we'll work on that. I like that idea, like a bumper issue, a bumper episode next week or next month, and then maybe uh, you know every other month we we do a, a special uh, new Excalibur and new New Mutants book. And we're collecting. To be fair, we are collecting all the other X Men books as as things to read. As opposed to the main titles, we just don't like. No one likes the main title. Let's be fair. The main title's always garbage, obviously. Yeah, it's. Kind of, we haven't talked about it much here, but that uh, Summer's Family Values book is going to be interesting. Because <laughs> um, um, my history with the X Men, I think I've said it on the Citycast, and I've said it here before, is that the the main titles are great and all, but I've always been drawn to like the other ones, right? Way more than like. The main people, but we're quirky. I think it'll be fun. Exactly. Yeah, it will be fun. It'll be fun. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what other book I saw. Teeny Howard was was working on. I mean, this Death's Head, which you know, Strike Force. Yes, yes, Strike Force looked really interesting. And Death's Head, even though you like the artwork more than I do, I, I feel like she's really doing some nice stuff um, writing wise. I so. loved it. I really would recommend Death's Head. I really enjoy it. So. Yeah, so this Excalibur book is is like I'm really excited for and New Mutants. I want to say the art team as well. We were interested in, but I can't remember who that is now. New Mutants is Rob Reyes. Yes. Well, I mean, we should just read it because of that. Yep. S- screw it. <laughs> if it's the Brisson issues, I'll just be like, well, I didn't read the dialogue, but this panel was gorgeous and Reyes was great here, and that's what I'll be talking about. I'll li- I'll let you talk about the story. Uh... You can carry the load, Dan. Because it will That's be a fun. load. It will. And it'll be meta-textually aggressive to people who critique as well. But anyway. Enough about that. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, schedule-wise, we'll have a, a big old episode next month. And then maybe some some bonus episodes as we move forward. And uh, hopefully trying to have a, a special guest on next, next month as well. Someone who's really into Excalibur. So, uh, look out for that. Um, but this is this is awesome, Dan. Uh, thanks so much. Um, where can people find us online? 
you can find us on Twitter um, at Excalibur one, which is our main pot call. From there, you can go to the Podbean, which is obviously Podbean.com forward slash Excalibur which you can find all of our episodes so far. Uh, you can type us into Google, and we will come up first, thankfully. And you can find us on all the like important sites where you find podcasts: iTunes, Stitcher, such forth. So yeah, such forth, etc. Etc. Yep. Yep. Well, we'll also be uh, on the next uh, sort of behind the curtain look here. We'll be recording with Jason uh, later on today. So look for another big old uh, House of X Powers of 10 uh, episode from, from the Snickcast. And uh, we'll, we'll be all, all up in your ear holes. Exactly. Well, it's been, it's, this one's actually been quite fun. And it, I've realized now, just as we're closing the episode, what this storyline in Exiles is. Mm-hmm. So I've just realized, and the pennies just dropped, and I'm like, oh, I'm interested to see how we talk about that later. But yes, anyway. All right, well, okay. Uh, being a little more cryptic, I appreciate that. Uh, yep. Cliffhanger for next time. Ooh. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Dan, this is awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.